0: Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Tom Moran here from Tom's Big Spiders. We'll kick this one off. I bought some more spiders this week. Big shocker there. I've actually been trying to ease off a bit, but there are some things I've been looking for. As I alluded to in the last podcast, I've been on the hunt, well, (laughs) on the hunt for huntsmen. I've been obsessed with the huntsmen. I've been trying to find more. So, While sitting on my break, eating lunch, stuffing my face, I hopped online and was trying to find some huntsmen. I ended up over on the classified sections of Boards, which I hadn't been on in a while. And I just happened to notice that Joe Rossi, who occasionally gets formictimus species in, had a bunch of spiders listed. So I went through and Whoa, was I excited to find out that he had several species of Formictobus in, including some that I had been looking for that i would seen offered lately. He had four that I didn't have at the time. Now, the last time Joe had something in, I actually shot him an email and said, hey, I'd absolutely love to get a couple of these. And he's like, I'm so sorry, they just sold out. So I just missed it by like a day or so. I was so upset and I ended up luckily finding them somewhere else. It was the Baihibe's, I believe. And this time around, I shot him a message like, hey, Joe, I don't want to get too excited yet, but I'm hoping you have some of these Formictopus species in stock. And he got right back to me. He's like, "Uh, shoot me a text and I'll, you know, let you know the sizes, whatever. So I shot him a text, he had them all in stock. There were four different ones. And couldn't be more excited to quickly buy them. The nice part is the prices were great on them, and he had ones, a couple that I hadn't seen before. So it was like win-win situation. Now I purchased from Joe Rossi back, and I believe it was May of 2017. I actually got one of my P. erotus that's now a, a large female from him, and I also got an avicularia, avicularia that unfortunately ended up being male, but I drove it out its whole life and it ended up unfortunately dying of old age. So I bought from before he had. If you haven't checked them out, and I am going to do something, a dealer special, I think going down the road, it's one of the things I've always thought about doing. The only reason I haven't done it is every time you do a dealer, you know, you start mentioning dealers, people come up with other dealers that you may not have heard of or that you may have heard of and heard bad things about, and I don't want to get into the negative aspects of it. So I I, I think what I'm going to do is focus on ones that I've ordered from repeatedly and had good service for. We'll take it from there and see where it goes. But anyway, he's one that I had ordered from the past and that I forget sometimes to check his stock because he has an amazing list of animals for sale so if you're somebody who's looking for Formictopus I've noticed he's gotten them in he seems to get them in quite a bit over the years and some ones that you don't normally see plus he's got oh gosh it was I for the I just did a video or an unboxing video for this purchase I did a list where I basically scrolled down through all the ones he had for sale, and there are quite a few. So it's one of those, I'll use the term smaller dealers, and I don't mean that as a disparaging comment, just one that doesn't have a big website and, you know, get a lot, talked about all the time, but he advertises on Arachna boards. He's got a huge selection. The shipping was, the shipping price was good. His shipping was great. This is, it's funny because we, so I ordered the the spiders. He was fantastic with communication. He sent me pictures of all the spiders so I knew what sizes there were. He shipped immediately, gave me the packing number, a picture of the packing number so I could follow it. And then when the package, this seems to be happening more and more often with FedEx lately, got lost for a day, he was in contact with me. I didn't have to go to him and go, hey, it's missing, which I normally don't do anyway. I've done this long enough that I don't panic. And I know there's little that the dealers can usually do about it. But he got a hold of me. Hopefully it gets, you know, delivered in time. It got delayed a day. The thing that worried me was when he was shipping from California, I'm obviously in Connecticut, and although the weather was a little warmer here, it's starting to cool off, and the extra day, that morning of the extra day that it took, it hit like 39 degrees here. So I was like, oh, this isn't good. So luckily, the Formictopus, it was packed well. I opened them up. Everybody's lively. So what I ended up getting was Formictopus Species Sierra, or Sierra Pink, I guess, Uh, Formictopus Species Oriente, or Orient Black. Formictibus species Santiago or Santiago Gold. I think I've seen pictures of these uh, sold under another name. They look a lot like Aratus and Formictibus species Sabana. So one of each, you know, they're. they're A little pricey, but a couple of these have been offered. I've seen them offered in other places and they were a lot more expensive than they were here. So I felt like I got a pretty good deal on them. They arrived safely. They, I rehoused them. And my big thing with Formictopus is the majority of my Formictopus will eat the first day I get them in. So I dropped in some little red runner roaches and Turkish roaches in with them and all four immediately took them down and started eating. So they've eaten. They're doing great. The little time they spent in the cold obviously didn't have any ill effects on them and can't wait to grow these guys up, I looked up some photos of them, and, and again, the photos, I, I actually put the video up, and somebody commented that, you know, it'd be great if you could throw up photos of what these guys look like as adults, because I keep having to pause and pull up pictures, and the reason I don't do that is, A, I, I don't know what they look like as adults, and I've bought ones before, when I bought my Formicidae species I think it was the South Hispaniolas, and I looked up photos of them, what the photos they put online of them are not the spiders I have, so I don't want to be misleading and go, whoa, look at it, it's this bright purple spider where it's just somebody grabbed some fermictobus photo and named it, you know, said, oh, this is a sabana or whatever, so I don't like to do that because, honestly, I'm not sure what they're going to look like when they grow up, and I don't want to be misleading, and then, B, when you find pictures up there, I feel obligated to shoot, you know, emails out and go, hey, can I steal your picture for a video or whatnot, and I, I just, I like using my own stuff, so... Anyway, they're here, they're, you know, already ate once, one of them looks like it's probably going to go on pre molt. its abdomen looks like a big swollen purple grape, and once again, another awesome purchase from Joe Rossi, again, I implore people that are, you know, in in the hobby, always looking for spiders, to add him to the list of people you check out before you purchase, because he does have a lot of good stuff in there, prices seem good overall, I mean, everything's been great, and the funny thing is, I, I, I meant to mention this earlier, I started to mention this earlier, I put the video review up, and I went to look at my old video review in the same exact thing happened it was delayed a day the weather got cold it's like literally and, and the same things I would have said about him in this video were the exact same things I said about him last time. Excellent communication, excellent packing, good prices, you know, just a great experience overall. So throwing his name out there for folks, always, the majority of people I talk to are always looking for new places to buy from. That's, I think, part of the fun of the hobby is finding new places to order from. And he's definitely one that should be on everybody's list. You do, just full disclosure, you do have to sign up. I believe you have to be a member of Boards to see the classified section. This does not mean you have to post. I've had people go on. I'm not going on there. I'm going to get torn apart. It doesn't mean you have to post. It means you join the board and you can lurk. I lurk all the time on arachno boards. There's nothing that says you have to go on, introduce yourself or engage in any conversations or anything like that. So I know there's folks that are like weary of going on there. It's a shame because it's an awesome place and there are some awesome people there. But unfortunately, there's some bad seeds that ruin the whole thing. One in particular that I wish would just go away. But (laughs) <laughs> and and I've got the same comments when I put this video up. People are like, yeah, I love arachnoboards, but there's some hostile people there. Yeah, there are. There are people there that I think, unfortunately, don't get a, feel they're very powerful in their own life, so they exert it on the boards, so the old keyboard warriors. But awesome place, so much information, and you're missing out if you're not watching the classifieds, especially folks that come to me going, hey, where can I find a female or sex, to, you know... X, Y, Z, that's a good place to go because that's where you're going to find people that are selling parts of their collection off or have an extra female or whatnot, and you might be able to good, get a good deal on it. So yay to Boards, yay to Joe Rossi. And this actually kind of leads into what our topic is going to be for today. Well, there's two things. Number one, the fact that I was so obsessed with collecting all the Formictopus that I grabbed these guys up. But the other one, we had a PD day at school, I'm a teacher, and part of the PD was self-care and kind of team building, mingling, getting to know your your fellow coworkers and stuff, which I I have to admit, I abhor. I'm not one of those people that likes to be in situations where we're supposed to talk about ourselves with people we don't know. And so the stress levels were high, but I got put in a group with a a, a cool group of people and it came out, you know, what do you do for hobbies? And I was sitting here, I normally don't tell a lot of people what I do. I I don't mention the YouTube channel. I don't mention the podcast. I don't mention the website. I may mention I have spiders, but I'm very careful on how much information I dole out because I get how it's perceived. And sometimes I just don't have the time, or recognize I don't have the correct audience to reach people as far as why I do this. I'm just going. They're going to walk away, going this guy's a weirdo. I mean, as it is, we I get the questions about the tattoos sometimes, and it's just recognizing that we are still a fringe hobby. We are still looking at partially due to the fact I think because of some of the knuckleheads that people see keeping these animals and what they do with them. They assume we're all like that. It's uh, my buddy Luis and I just had a conversation about this, how the hobby is perceived, and uh, part of me is like, hey, I want to change that perception, but another part of me realizes that when you're sitting there and all of a sudden it comes out that you have tarantulas in a quick conversation there's not enough time to make the headway that you'd need to make to change people's minds but anyway we're sitting there and I go you know what the heck with it what do you do for fun and I talked about the tarantula collection and one of the teachers already knew because he had my son and my son ratted me out one year not realizing I was going to go work at this school eventually, and said, yeah, my dad has a YouTube channel, so they got around with some of the teachers, but others didn't know, and it it turned into a really cool conversation. They were legitimately interested. It was nice, because sometimes they get in these things, and immediately it's like, oh, man, here we go. I'm the spider freak, and I wish I never said anything, but they were asking questions, and one of the questions they asked is, how do you end up with, like, 220 spiders? Like, what is, how does this happen? What do you... And I kind of balked at it because I'm, I don't know, (laughs) like I was like, oh, well, you know, you buy one, you buy a couple and they're fun to raise up. And I started going through a list of stuff. But after I got out of there, I started really thinking about it. And I'm like, we all joke. And I've been saying it for years. And some of you out there, maybe if you've corresponded with me, you know, I'll have people that'll go, hey, Tom, thanks so much. You know, I I love your stuff. And it actually got me to, I love getting these comments, by the way, you actually got me into the hobby. I got my first spider. I'm so excited. I just plan on getting like one or two. And I always giggle and go, yeah, well, let me know how it goes And I can't tell you how many people will get back to me with, yeah, you're right. I have 50. I have 75. I have 100. We just bought a new house because I need a new room. I'm breeding them now. It's like such an addictive hobby. And I started thinking about why is it such an addictive hobby? Why is it not? I can speak for myself and it, it does... For me, it covers a couple bases of things that I just enjoy doing, which I enjoy learning about. I get obsessed uh, about topics. I enjoy learning everything I can about them, and I enjoy collecting. So it appeals to both of those. There's so much to learn. One of the things I love about tarantulas and spiders is there's always more to learn. There's new species coming in. There's Right now, I'm branching out into true spiders because I want to learn more about arachnids in general. So there's always something to learn there. But what are some of the other things? that attract people so I kind of came up with a list of some of the reasons why this is such an addictive hobby I would ask for people you know again obviously with anything to chime in about why they think it's addictive or what they find so addictive about it. but I think I've covered a lot of things that uh, having spoken to people for years and and chatted with folks who you know we joke about our collection swelling these are some of the things that I think some of the reasons why I think the tarantula hobby is as addictive as it is and again I've been doing this for years now I don't see any signs of abatement as far as me just going, oh, never mind. I got it all. I'm done. I'm bored. It, it's just, it just keeps going. It doesn't stop. So here are some of the reasons I think the tarantula hobby is as addictive as it is. And, and for me, this is more so I have the next time I'm asked this question. I don't I don't think I balked, but I didn't really get into it the way I probably should have. But it, this might help some folks as far as when people go, why the heck do you have 50 spiders? Why do you have 100 spiders? Why do you have 200 spiders? this might help. First and foremost, I have to believe that it does naturally attract folks that consider themselves collectors. I know I'm not the only one out there. I've alluded to the fact before that I have always been somebody that likes to collect things. I've, whether it be garbage pail kids, baseball cards, comic books. Now I have a huge transformer collection. I have an enormous video library collection. You know, again, I like watching movies. not like they just sit there in packages, but I do enjoy collecting and owning things and displaying my collections, working my collections, cataloging my, collections, it's always been something that's been in me, and I think a lot of people, for a lot of us out there, this scratches that itch to collect something. You find out, you know, a lot of us just try to put together a nice collection of tarantulas from all different, you know, old world, new worlds, different species. Some of us collect certain uh, genera of tarantulas, so for me, that's like my Formictopus obsession, where as soon as I find out, A new Fremictobus species is available. I feel like my collection or my, you know, my group is incomplete, so I want to fix that and for those of you that were collectors that you had to go out and try to find your stuff when it was delivered at the stores now I'm going to bring up something that probably most people haven't done but back in the well even now it's kind of the action figure collecting back in the day before internet we could just go on and reserve stuff you would find you would collect a series of action figures like say it was Star Wars and you would have to go to all the local stores and you would hit all the local stores you'd find out when they got their deliveries when they stocked and the goal was to get in there and try to get to that box before somebody went and took all the key figures out of it now some people are out there going oh yeah been there done that some people are like what is he on about but it was a big deal Billy and I back in the day we moved out I was collecting action figures Billy was helping me she'd be like oh I just went to you know Bradley's and Bradley's has these in and we'd you know we'd go over there and pick them all up it was that thrill of the hunt and I think for some of us it becomes the thrill of a hunt when you find a species that you're looking for especially one that isn't readily available and all of a sudden you see somebody's got it in you get that adrenaline rush like I got to get this thing I got to have it I got to have it just like when, you know, I'm surfing online, I get on arachnoboards and I see that they have the Formictopus species there. That's part of it, that that thrill, that jolt that comes from it, that high, for lack of a better term, for finding a species that you're looking for or finding that spider that you're looking for. A lot of us, I think, are very susceptible to that and then again, it, it just falls in line with the whole collector aspect, the whole collector, we'll call it the collector gene for those of us that just find ourselves collecting things. It becomes a huge part and there's so many, this is where it really gets us. There are so many species and so many new species coming in every day. So you get somebody who goes, I've, I've had people before, I mean, I was just ran into this comment which I thought was ironic, because I was doing this podcast. And it was years ago with somebody going, Hey, I collect right now, I'm just going to keep a small collection, I only have a few species of fauna pelma. I have all the ones that are readily available. Look at how many new Afonopelma species have shown up in the last four years that people that are now in the hobby. Not saying they weren't out there before, obviously they existed in nature, but ones that came into the hobby. Formictopus, when I first got into Formictopus, you had Formictopus cancerides. Every once in a while, somebody would have it atachromatus. You'd have one that was being sold as Formictopus species, purple, that was probably just a purple. Cancerities, but anyway, not a lot out there. Now look what's out there. All of a sudden, they come out with these, you know, Hispaniola. They come out with the uh, the real, the violets. They come out with the full green, the gold carapex, uh, green femur. Uh, Cochleus vorax is now out there. There's so many more out there. So I think for those of us that collect and have that collector's gene, this hobby is like a total trap for us. Like you can't get out because it's never going to end which is great as long as you have the space I do think this is one of the spots where people run into trouble where they get into it and they start collecting stuff their collections get too big and next thing you know what they get kind of it gets to the point where they're overwhelmed they start selling things off i've i've actually seen people i had somebody that within a year acquired 150 tarantulas and then was looking to sell them all off because they just couldn't keep up it became a source of stress so i do think there's always that fine line between i'm collecting spiders and i'm starting to get into the hoarding side of things where you're not able to care for them correctly you're putting off more and more rehousings they're in small dirty enclosures that's a bad thing but i first and foremost the number one thing i would say it does attract folks that enjoy collecting i also think that go this kind of goes hand in hand with that for those of us who love learning new things that love find, getting obsessed and totally immersed in a new topic and and studying it and researching it and reading all we can the research aspect of it is huge I can't tell you how many people I've spoken to lately that will express they enjoy doing the research now we're not talking about the ones that pick up a spider and then go oh crud I don't know how to keep this and start emailing frantically hey Tom I just picked this up three weeks ago I, I just read it's a fossoria. I was keeping it as an arboreal like we're talking about the ones that are obsessively doing research it's almost part of the collecting aspect of it you start putting together your list of species that you want to get or you see something on a YouTube video or post it on Line or a picture, on a forum, or on a Facebook group, and you go, I, I want that spider, but I need to know more about it. And then the research starts, and then you start going around, you, you're you combing through boards you're combing through tarantula forum, you're combing through Facebook groups online, reading articles, reading the actual papers about it, trying to find out how to keep this animal. That becomes part of it. Now, some people are like they don't like research, and I get that, and I think that's probably more normal than those of us who like to spend all the time researching stuff, but that's, I think, a huge part of it for many of us, that constant evolving, reading new things, learning new things, finding out new things about these animals, branching off, you know, some of us will start off with old world, or new world species, then we start branching off into old world species, some of us, like me, will do tarantulas for years, and start looking at other spiders, there's just always so much to learn, so if you're one of those individuals that loves learning about things this is a hobby that there is always something new to pick up on there's always something new to learn there's always something new to try which I think keeps it fresh and fun so those two I think kind of for for a lot of us obviously not all of us there's the group of people that aren't into the research that really don't care and this is this would be with any animal they pick it up they don't do a lot of research. They set it up wrong. They ignore, you know, when people try to help them. There's always that group out there. But I think the hardcore tarantula hobbyists that, you know, the real tarantula hobbyists out there, this is a big thing. The the ability to actually learn about them, to observe, to talk with others, to listen to experts, to read those papers, that's a big part of it that keeps people engrossed in the hobby. That's, I, mean, I wrote years ago when I started the my Tom's Big Spiders website that I don't consider myself an expert. I still don't. I I'm still learning. I unfortunately, I I would honestly say if there's a point where I feel like I know everything, and I know myself well enough to know that will never come. But if there was ever a point where I'm like, yep, I know everything, I'd probably get bored. It would be like, all right, that's a big part of it for me. There's always something to learn. So I love interacting with folks on, you know, through via email and my comments, because every once in a while somebody says something I haven't thought of before. And it makes me think of things a new way. So definitely First thing, you know, it attracts collectors. I also think it attracts those of us who enjoy research and learning about new things. Next up, there are levels to it. And I think that's a big part of it. When those of us that try to follow the ladder system or those that come in and go, hey, I'm going to start with something, you know, an easy, quote unquote, beginner species and work my way up. There's always something new to get. There's always new experiences. So you start off with say, I don't know, we'll start with a B. hemorrheae and you grow it up, and you go, all right, or you start growing it up, and you go, I'm starting to get the hang of this, I'm getting the, you know, my rehousing's done, I want to pick it up a little bit, I'm going to pick up a, uh a GBB, C uh, cyanial pubicins, and I'm going to work with that, and then you start growing that up, and you realize it grows a little quicker, and it webs, and it's a little more flighty, and maybe it kicks some hairs at you, and you start getting used to those behaviors, and first they kind of freak you out, and then you're kind of like, all right, I can deal with this, I'm going to pick it up a little bit more, I'm going to pick up, I don't know, I'm just throwing things out here, I'm going to get a T-stermy, I'm really going to pick it up, I'm going to get a big old spider with, you know, maybe some attitude and some hair kicking, and you move up from there to start keeping spiders that have moisture dependency, and you guys can see where I'm going with this, it builds, there's always something new out there, and I know because a lot of people will email me with, I just kept, I've kept this, this, and this. Am I ready for this? Or, you know, I've kept all these spiders here. Do you think I am ready to go into old worlds? And then that opens up a whole new world. So for folks that are waiting to keep the old worlds, they get to that point where I'm ready I feel like I'm ready now I got my rehousings down I mean there's only so much I can do I need that real life experience with these guys now now you've just opened up all these other spiders you can get so it's just like the hobby just doubled in size which is amazing because I can remember being at that point where I picked up my well I had an OBT sling but it really wasn't preparing me for old worlds but I got my piece vitata that was like three inches three and a half inches it was like a large juvenile And after working with her a little bit, I was like, you know what, this is it, we're going in, we're going to start getting some of these old worlds, and it was like the whole thing opened up, now I didn't have to worry so much when I was hunting online about looking up species, because for a while... I would see something that looked good. I would drop the name in and find out where it came from to find out if it was New World and Old World. If it was Old World, I took it off my list. Now it was on my list. So the levels to it, the increasing the collection as you get more experience is a big part of this hobby and why a lot of this, I think, why it has so much longevity for a lot of us, especially folks that are really putting their time in because I've heard people, you know, and it happens a lot of times I get comments, I'll post Old World's up, and people go, yeah, you know, I've been keeping for five years. I'm hoping pretty soon to maybe get my first Old world." And that's a lot of people do that. So now you've got five years in the hobby already and you've only cracked half of what's available out there. So definitely the fact that there are levels to it is one of the things that I think really keeps people in the hobby for a long time. And it goes with the whole research and learning thing too, because you're, you're essentially, if you play video games, it's like you're leveling up. Hey, I leveled up and now I can go to the old world. It's like when you play an RBG or something and you have a piece of armor you can't wait to use and you finally can use. Man, I'm geeking out totally in this podcast now between the action figure collection, the video game stuff, but I hope I'm trying to use analogies that people will get and appreciate. It's like, and I've had people use this before. I've leveled up. I'm going on to a Formictopus species. And so I think that's a good way of putting it. So as long as there's room to level up, there is going to be, you know, continued interest in the hobby and in adding more animals to your collection. Next thing, this has been a running joke for years, and I'm sure people have experienced this before. Somebody will come on and go, hey, I, I just bought an LP sling. I fed it a bunch of times, and now it's been buried for two months. Should I dig it up? What should I do? And people will usually respond with, get another sling. And the joke is, they unfortunately, with a lot of spiders, and this is the part that some people have a hard time understanding, especially when I start explaining that I have fossorial species that I don't see very much, and shy ones are like, well, what is the point of keeping them? The point is you will get like, and I'll use myself as an example. I got my first slings. It was an LP and a a GBB, Cyanopubicins. And I was so excited. I set them up. I was watching. I was checking on them constantly. They were in what was originally called the snake room because I had more snakes than tarantulas. And I was in there checking them constantly. I was feeding them probably too often. So you know, I drop in a little roach. It would eat. And like, ooh, it ate. And then I'd come in the next day and go, well, it looks still hungry. And I'd feed it again. You know, all the mistakes people make—not not mistakes, but the things people do when they first get into it. And then of course, what happens? I feed them a bunch of times within two weeks. They both go into pre molt. The GBB webs itself all up. I can't see it. I'm freaking out like is it dead is it in there the LP digs a hole fills it all in and completely buries itself and I became one of the people because we've all seen this all the time people come on the board my spider just buried itself is it going to be okay I was one of those people freaking out because like a couple days go by a few more days go by a week goes by I'm like is this thing dead what should I do and I'm not the type to go on the boards and post myself because I saw how people were torn apart so what I did was look for other people that had already asked the question and you know read the comments where they got torn apart, but one of the comments that was thrown out there quite a few times was just buy another spider put it aside leave it alone let it do its thing buy another spider and play with that one not play with it but you know what I'm saying and so I was like all right that's actually a really good idea because now I have two spiders that I can't feed I can't do anything with it's like I was missing craving that interaction that I had with them that small interaction of being able to feed them so what did I do I went out and I bought a OBT sling I bought a c versicolor sling and I started growing those up and so then I had a period I'll never forget it we're all four of them we're in Brimolt, and the queen wasn't eating and I'm like what do I do I bought some more and so you guys see where I'm going with this we've all been there the part of the things with tarantulas is and I don't mean this in a negative way sometimes there's not a lot when you'll just have a few of them there's not a lot going on if you're feeding them all on the same schedule and you have an aggressive schedule, you're likely to end up with all of your spiders in pre molt at the same time. So it means they're not doing anything. They're sitting there, they're hidden, they're burrowed, they're webbed up. And you go in, you check your room, and there's not really anything you can do about it. And a lot of us, part of the fun of keeping tarantulas is the maintenance, the feeding. When you feel like my happy place, people will be like, how do you feed? Two hundred and something animals doesn't I get boring? No, that's like tranquil for me. I love doing that. I enjoy it. I, I, it's the highlight of my day. It's the highlight of my week. So, for many of us, when we can't do that and there's nothing to do, we get bored. And it's like, all right, I got these spiders sitting here, and I can't really do anything with them. So, what do we do? We order more. So, I think that's a big part of it. There's not always a lot of activity, but when you have a big collection, there's always something going on, somebody just molted, somebody is eating, somebody is burrowing, somebody's webbing, somebody just came out for the first time in six months, always something going on, and I know in here, I walk around, and I'm constantly up in the tarantula, I'm just walking around with a flashlight, checking on everybody, and I'm always finding something cool happening, so I do think that's a big part to why people start to amass collections, especially early on, is to always have something to feed, to care for, to perform maintenance on, In short, to always have something happening. Now, the next one, reason why I think it's such a addictive hobby is the fact that it's fairly inexpensive. Now, sure, the cost of tarantulas can be high. I had somebody complaining the other day because it was like, I was looking to get this one, but it's 150 bucks. And all my thought is I came over from the snake hobby where people were spending 10 grand on, you know, piebald ball pythons at the time back, you know, or more for these animals with the, you know, for the colorations or whatever, so they could breed them. The cost, you know, you put that in comparison to 200 bucks for a spider sling, suddenly it doesn't seem so high. So I think part of me going in, when I looked up the prices of them, I was like, oh, that's totally manageable. manageable." And back then I did not have the funds I have now. And luckily Billy and I are in a good spot now. But back when I first started buying them, There wasn't as much, so I had to be a little more frugal with what I bought, and I wouldn't buy a lot of expensive slings, partly because I didn't want to lose them, partly because, you know, that was a huge investment, but overall, they're not that expensive. You can buy slings for relatively cheap. Sure, if you're going for sexed adult sex females, you're going to be spending a lot more, but I think the majority of us would rather go out and buy three slings and grow them up than drop several hundred dollars for adults. I think that's more some people that first get into the hobby, they want that spider, that adult spider quickly. So I think that's, the, those usually folks new to the hobby are the ones buying the adults. But I think a lot of us buy slings, they're cheaper, we start saving up, we try to see how much we can get for our, our you know, how much bang we can get for a shipping buck. And then next thing you know, what instead of just buying one, we've bought four or five because the price is right and it's going to save on shipping. So that's when we start amassing those collections very, very quickly. And then as far as cost per spider, you can put them in closures that cost you next to nothing. You could clean out a deli cup that you got from, you know, some potato salad in a Walmart and stick tarantulas in it. It costs you nothing. You can find dirt from, you know, I, I don't do it, but overseas in Europe, they a lot of them just pull dirt from outside. Again, Costs you nothing. They find wood from outside. Costs you nothing. Even if you buy stuff online, there are places you can get the fixings, you know, the dirt, the substrate, and it's still fairly inexpensive. You don't have to clean them constantly. So if you put dirt in there, that dirt stays in there for a long time. You don't have to replace it. Same thing with the cork bark. Same thing with the moss. There are no vet bills. I mean, generally speaking, it's not something, it's not an animal you're going to be taking every year to get shots, to get inoculated. There's no yearly checkup. There's generally speaking, and, and there's... You're not going to have to take them to the vet at all unless something really bad happens. So again, you're saving money there. I think that's a big part of what entices people to really start building these huge collections is they realize how cheap it is. It gets even cheaper once you start getting a certain number of them. Because what ends up happening, the first time when you first start getting into the hobby, you're out there buying all these enclosures, you're buying, you know, you're in Walmart, you're walking around like, oh, this looks like it'll work. You have all this stuff that you're, you know, filling up with spiders. Then what happens is they grow up, you rehouse them. And then what do you end up with? A bunch of empty enclosures. They're perfect size for slings. So you go, hey, I'm going to get some more slings. I already got these setups for them. So you save money there. It's just... Literally, you know, it's it's how much you want to put into it. I do think, you know, obviously, right now with the number that I have and what I spend, it it's pricey, I guess, overall. But there's no saying anybody has to have a collection of 200 and something spiders. You could easily amass a collection of 100 spiders and not spend all that much money, especially when you consider, you know, adopting dogs. That's hundreds of bucks right there. That fee is lots of money right there. And I love dogs. I'll give it four dogs. I absolutely adore. adore. This isn't somebody pooing all over dogs, but it's. In comparison, they're very cheap, very inexpensive. Even having raised uh, reptiles before doing snakes, the cost of rats and mice really gets up there. I mean, depending if you can get a good supplier and get them for cheap, that's one thing. But, you know, you're, God forbid, you have to go buy something from Petco where they charge you like 15 bucks for a large rat, which is amazing because my wife kills them for a living for free because nobody wants them. But the cost of feeding them could be so much more. Wherein with tarantulas, you're buying little feeder bugs, they're relatively cheap. If you want to raise the feeder bugs yourself, even better, even cheaper, it costs you next to nothing. So I do think the lack of expense is a big part of it. Another big part of it, they don't take up much space. We start getting them, and I think this is where it gets funny because a lot of people get into the hobby because they're like, I have a little bit of room in my living room and I have a couple of shelves, I want to put some tarantulas on them and so it starts off like these are awesome because I can have three four five six you know you have a couple usually you start off you have a couple adults you have a bunch of slings I love when people show their collections because it reminds me so much of mine back in the day where you had a couple of the bigger ones and then you have a bunch of little slings well those slings start to grow up they take more space the adults you want to put them in bigger enclosures you get more slings next thing you know at those two shelves you had designated as your tarantula nook in your living room becomes the whole wall you're buying bookcases uh, you're buying more shelving and it starts to expand so the iron is a lot of people start picking them up because they are a small pet. You can get them in an apartment. You can get them in, you know, some folks have them in their dorms when they're in college. They could be in a classroom. But what ends up happening is they outgrow that and you get bigger spaces. You need bigger spaces, more shelves. And then you get what I got where you basically have a huge hole room over your garage that is completely full of them. But again, the fact that they take up so little space, especially as slings, this is where people fall into the trap and this is where the collections start to explode. You have a couple adults and you decide, hey, I've got some extra room on this shelf over here. I will buy slings. I can fit, I can buy one more adult or I can fit like five to 10 sling closures up here. So you go and you pick up some slings. You pick up some slow growing ones. You pick up some, you know, maybe a couple of Pelma species, a fauna pelma species, Gramostola, whatever. But then you go, ah, Tom's been talking about those formictopis. I'm going to get some of those. And you know what? I want to get into arboreal species. So I'm going to pick up a psalmopias Salmospe- uh, species. I'll get a a Cambergi. Well, that camera gi and that formictopus are going to outgrow those enclosures, those sling enclosures, within six months. They'll be in adult enclosures potentially within a year. And now guess what? You don't have the space for it anymore. So that's where I think people run into trouble is, or start with the big collections, is they go out and buy a bunch of slings when they start realizing how fun it is to grow up slings. And then they end up with these huge collections down the road as they start to blow up. The the adults come and then they clean out enclosures. You got to fill those enclosures with more slings and you just keep repeating that cycle. So definitely the fact that they don't take up a lot of space is a big part of it. And speaking about slings, the whole sling phenomenon is a big part of it. I mean, not just talking about space, but just kind of going with that whole theme. The fact that slings are so small and that people enjoy growing up slings and once they grow up, You have your beautiful adult, you did it, whether it's a male, whether it's a female, it's like, yes, it's an adult, I did it, and what do you want to do next? You want to get more slings and grow them up, and I think the whole sling aspect, the fact of growing up, those of us who grow up slings, we love growing up slings, I love getting slings, I love raising them to adulthood, I love getting more slings, I always have a big group of slings I'm raising because I just enjoy it so much. It's funny because we get them and we're like, oh God, we got slings. I got to raise these up. I hope they, you know, I want to get them out of the sling stage. I want to get them out of the sling stage. So they're healthy. I don't want to have any, you know, mysterious deaths because they are much more fragile then. And then we grow them up. And the first thing we do is go back and get more slings. But I do think the sling phenomenon is a big part of it too. I know that a lot of folks that they, the slings are what kind of get them into amassing these huge collections. Now, another part of tarantulas that lends itself to the large collections is the fact that it can basically encourage other side hobbies and this goes in with the enclosures that we're talking about earlier for folks that do YouTube there are you get into tarantulas and you're just trying to set them up correctly you find your go-to as far as your enclosures for slings for juveniles for adults you get everything set up and then you start experimenting and then you get the we'll call them auxiliary hobbies for example cage hunting how many of us go out onto you know whether it be at Walmart or Target or the container store or Michaels or we shop on Amazon or go to the AMAC company and we go and try to find the next best thing for enclosures it becomes kind of like a hobby unto itself, finding new types of containers that we can turn into tarantula enclosures. Some of us go out and start building them, whether it be out of glass, whether it be repurposing other older enclosures, whether it be making them out of plexiglass, a lot of folks will go out and find that's a fun side hobby. I'm talking to many people that like one of the biggest parts of the hobby for them is designing the adult enclosures, getting them set up, repurposed, getting their cork bark in, getting it whatever it may be. So Some people start to dabble in the bioactives or putting plants in it. That's another whole aspect of it, finding the plants, setting them up, keeping your cultures of springtails ready, you know, having all the materials on hand, building, you know, creating these, essentially these like nature-like dioramas for your animals becomes a huge part of it. Raising feeders becomes another part of it. A lot of us that raise our own feeders, that's a huge part of the hobby as well. Getting those roaches to breed, getting them, you know, keeping them clean, it's a big part of it the shelves and displays become a big part of the hobby. So what happens is somebody like we talked about earlier, you have your little spot there you go, you know what, I need something nicer and we get some more shelves. And after a while you go, you know what, I don't like these shelves. I want something different. So you get different shelves. I love seeing people's setups because it just gives you so many ideas of what you want to do the next time when you inevitably change up what you've already got. So I do think that a big part of it isn't just the spiders themselves for a lot of people. A big part of it is also the fun of finding those enclosures, making those setups, building those cages. All of that stuff becomes a huge part of the hobby and kind of keeps it fresh and entertaining. It's kind of like we we did the podcast that there are levels to this. One of the levels is after a while you stop listening to what everybody else has been using for their enclosures. Now granted, you don't need to reinvent the wheel. If you know stuff works like AMAC boxes for slings, we know those work. The the dram vials work great, but sometimes what happens is you get that juvenile stage, adult stage, and you start going, what else is there out there? What else could I use? And we've all done it. We've all, a lot of us can report that we have garages full of failed attempts at enclosures, things that we thought would work great that we used for a little while. And we won't say they fail, but they weren't really what we we're looking for. Or we thought that we could do better. That's a big part of it. That's what pe- keeps people coming back. That's what keeps people in the hobby is that aspect that it's not just the, the arachnids themselves, but all the stuff that goes along with them. Now, you couldn't do a list of why people get so into the hobby and and why it becomes so addictive without mentioning the fact that they are incredibly low maintenance as far as pets are concerned. In fact, this is what screws many people up. And causes these collections to balloon because they are so used to dealing with animals that need to be fed and watered and cleaned and walked daily that they get tarantulas and they realize hopefully sooner than later that they don't require that amount of attention and then they want to pick up more so they have something to do. This goes along with our you know having something to do with them. So I do think the fact that they are so low maintenance lends itself to having a huge collection. Like I was talking to the folks that I work with about feeding time. They're like, how long does it take you to feed? I said, well first of all first of all you got to understand they don't need to eat daily and that was like what really and I'm like yeah they can you know weekly bi-weekly people feed them once a month depending on the size of the meal I said I like to feed mine as close to weekly as I can and I said I start I take a bunch out one day spend an hour an hour and a half feeding a bunch of them usually get like 50 75 done and I do another day and then the weekends come up and I get the vast majority of them then it's relaxing it's easy I mean how can I keep this many of them because really it amounts to you open the enclosure you clean the water dish you drop in a roach or cricket or whatever you're feeding that day. You check for any boluses and you put the cap back on. It takes like 30 seconds sometimes, unless you can't catch the roach. That's the only thing that tends to slow me down, but it doesn't take a lot of time to keep them. It's not, if you're looking for something to exhaust a lot of your time after work or, you know, something that's going to take up a lot of time, then you're you're not going to want to keep one or two spiders. You're going to want to get more than one spider. You're going to want to get several spiders so that it takes up a little more of your time. Because again, a hobby should be enjoyable. A hobby is something we want to do and enjoy doing. And let's be honest, if you have a small collection, it doesn't, there's not much to do. (laughs) Like when I had just four of them, it was five, ten minutes max a night. And that, when you want to spend more time with your hobby, that isn't enough. So what do you do? You get more. So I do think that's a huge part of it as well. And then finally, the most obvious aspect of it is there are just so darn many beautiful and different ones out there. I mean, even thinking back to that, you know, way back in the day when I'd go to the reptile conventions and that was the only place I'd usually see tarantulas and there'd be some people with a few tarantulas out there and there were nearly, there were always the usual suspects. You know, you would have your Ace Humanis, you'd have your, your G. Rosea's, you'd have a few of the, like, the Thai Black was a big one that I'd see off every once in a while. There was a couple, you know, there was obviously the a decent amount of them, but there, there wasn't the diversity that we have now with new ones coming in, it seems like weekly that they are entering the hobby. There's just always something new to pick up and, and collect. And when you're, when you're in tune to it, when you're on the boards, when you're on the Facebook groups, when you're watching all the vendors and what they get in, you're constantly being bombarded by photos of these beautiful animals that you want to keep. And for a lot of us, it's like, all right, there's no way I'm spending that much on a sling right now, but I'll wait till they come around again. I will pick them up. In the meantime, I'm going to pick up a couple other things so that your collection continues to grow. There's always something new to get. I shared the story that when I first realized this was going to become a big deal, and I remember vividly sitting at the computer in my old house, turning around to Billy going, all right, so full disclosure, I'm going to end up with like 30-something of these things, probably around 30, and we giggled. And, you know, obviously, I I way overshot that one. But even at that moment, I recognized there was like I was putting together my wish list and I had about 30 spiders on it. Well, I would say probably, I don't know, at least half of my collection right now weren't even available back then. So these are all spiders that have since come into the hobby that I picked up. It never ends. And for those of us who enjoy it and have the room for it, it's it's awesome because there's always going to be something new to keep. I love going out there finding these new species. There there isn't a lot on them as far as husbandry, picking them up and raising them up in hopes I can help people out in the future that are spending gobs of money on it and are afraid they're gonna kill it. That's like something I enjoy. And there's and there are always going to be new species to keep that going, to keep that fascination that you know that it's it's like that never ending the carrot that you're chasing where i'm just going to have my collection and that's it you're never going to get there i'm never i i realized years ago there would never be a point where i'm like all right i'm done i have everything that i'd ever wanted to keep it's never going to happen the how many people out there have a wish list that has continued to be added to and evolve over the course of their tenure in the hobby and i mean like you get two species off the wish list and you add 10 that level of I will never be able to have them all. I realize that now. I mean, there's never going to be a point where something isn't out there that I'm going to discover. I mean, even just you know, to bring it all back to Formictopus. I thought there was going to be a point where I would have most of the Formictopus species would grow them up. That'll be it. And now that they've become popular, more people are finding new ones from new locales and bringing them into the hobby. It's never going to end. So for some, it can be daunting for those of us who love collecting, who love new things, who love adding new animals to our collection and growing them up from slings and grabbing the obscure ones that you can't even find a picture of. And all of that stuff, it all just comes together and creates one of the most addictive hobbies I have ever had the pleasure of taking part in. And I think for the majority of us, some people would listen to this and be like, this sounds horrible. But for those of us that have been bitten, that are into the hobby, it's what makes it amazing. It's what keeps us in it. It's what makes it so we don't, you know. Become bored with it. It's funny because I I talk about the fact that I've collected a lot of things and been into a lot of things over the years, tried a lot of hobbies out, and a lot of them have gone by the wayside. I've tried them out and went, "Mm, not for me. And, you know, I know when I first started out with this, there was that question, Billy and I joked about the fact that she's like, is this going to be something you're just going to get bored with in a couple of years? I can tell you, no, it's not. It's, I don't see myself getting bored with it. I mean, the only thing I can see is maybe someday being like, all right, enough with the Thomas Big Spider stuff. I just want to have my collection and not have to worry about documenting everything. But we're not anywhere near that right now. It's something that I see being a hobby that I pursue for probably the rest of my life. You know, who knows? We'll see how it goes. But I, I just absolutely as excited about it today as I was when I first started. And I don't see that going away anytime soon. I just see there are other avenues I can pursue as far as to keep it spicy and fun. There are always going to be more spiders out there. There's always going to be branching out and trying other arachnids. There's just so much that I don't ever see myself getting bored of it. And I think the majority of people I talk to are also in that boat where there's just it's hard to get bored. It's there's always more out there. Those collections continue to grow. You continue to do the research, do the enclosures, get more in it. It's just Fantastic. So hopefully this was fun for folks. And again, I feel free to chime in with things that you find. You know, if there's something I missed, and I'm sure I did, I have tried to put together a pretty comprehensive list, but I there's always somebody will come with a comment like, dang it, I wish I had thought of that. But you know, why do you find it so addictive? What is the deal with it? Why why are we all buying so many spiders? Why is this hobby just exploding? I mean, not just in the United States, across the world, it's just ridiculous. So feel free to chime in with your take on it. I'd love to hear it. I am, I'll give everybody a heads up. I'm experimenting now with a website that's specifically for the podcast and supposedly what they're going to have on this website, and this kind of leads into what I have, because a lot of times I see a post on Facebook, and we all know I'm not the best person at getting on Facebook. And I think for some people, it's just convenient. It's Facebook. And I will continue to post it on Facebook. But I would love to be able to have dialogues about certain episodes. I'd love to leave behind, like on some of them, when I talk about certain things, leave behind links and some notes about the podcast. Like last week, we talked about you know then vend- uh, vendors and stuff. I could do a list of vendors. So I'm experimenting with this. I signed up for this site that allows it's going to allow me to put up a little blog post with each podcast episode so i can you know talk more about them there's supposedly going to be an upvote downvote which i hope not too many people downvote it but at least it'll give me a you know an idea of what people enjoy and what people didn't enjoy and more importantly it's supposed to include a comment feature coming up which that is what i feel like i've desperately been missing on youtube i throw up a video i'm getting you know dozens if not sometimes over 100 comments on it that i can go back and forth with people i can hear their takes on it. With these, not so much. Not everybody's on Facebook. Not everybody's, you know, leaving comments. So uh, just a heads up, I will be hopefully getting this set up and I'll be promoting it in the future. I'm hoping some people try it out. Let's see how it goes. It'd be nice to be able to just go, all right, here's the podcast. Let's have a running dialogue with everybody that wants to say something about it going down here in the comment section. So that will do it for this one. If you want to check out my video with my new Formictobus species, again, it's just babies. I didn't post any pictures of adults, but it's uh, a box I'm really excited about getting. So that's up on YouTube. Obviously, you can find me on Tom's Big Can't think of anything else at the moment. So uh, everybody stay safe. We'll catch you all next time.